Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Jesus is going to begin his millennial reign after he defeats his enemies. And it told us yes, or, uh, yesterday, last week, that one of the first, the first two beings that the Lord takes and casts into eternal flame, everlasting flame, is the beast who is the Antichrist and the false prophet. And they are in that lake of fire forever and it's torment forever it's not a small amount of time it it goes forever and so but he leaves one being out satan himself Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today we learn about the imprisoning of Satan and the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Satan tried to imprison Jesus in a tomb, but couldn't. Here, God has no problem restraining Satan, and this incarceration is not for punishment, but restraint. By implication, Satan's demonic armies are also restrained and imprisoned. Some may ask, is this a literal transaction? It certainly is. The battle is literal. The taking of the beast and the false prophet is literal. The slaying of the kings and their armies is literal. Satan is literal, and his binding must be equally literal. Now here's Pastor Rob. Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. We're just going to look at the first six verses today because we're going to take communion this morning. And so there's a lot to go through here. Um, but I don't want to uh, take too long in these chapters. But there, there's a lot here, honestly. And uh, it's worth looking at. Of course it is. Uh, if nothing else, you know, it, it encourages us as we open the Word of God and we read it. And we, we see that the Bible had already talked about these things in the Old Testament. In fact, the topic we're looking at this morning in Revelation 20 is the millennial reign of Christ. And what I find interesting about this is that there's more information, believe it or not, in the Old Testament than there is in the New Testament concerning the millennial reign of Christ. You know, we'll look at passages this morning in Ezekiel and Zechariah and Isaiah that speak more of the the millennial reign than these six verses that we're looking at this morning. And so John briefly tells us, he tells us, in fact, he gives us the time frame. In the Old Testament, it was unclear, uh, or it was unknown, actually, to the prophets, and God chose not to tell them the time frame. But here in Revelation is the only place where we find that it's a literal thousand years. That's why we call it a millennium. In In the Latin, it's milli, which is a thousand and so, in Chilion, I think is another uh, another phrase or another uh, word that means the same thing. It's a literal, a literal thousand years. I believe that God says what He means, and He means what He says. And even though the Bible, especially the Book of Revelation, we've been going through it, 
And even though there are some, there's symbols in it, certainly there's a lot of similes. Something was like this or as this. We get that through the speech. We can understand that that's what we're talking about. When the, when the Bible speaks of a specific number and it repeats it, Actually, in these verses that we're looking at this morning, six times in verse 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, it tells us a thousand years. So I'm thinking to myself, it must be 99 years? No, a thousand years. Repeat it after me. It's a thousand years. Yes, a thousand years. So let's read it. Revelation 20, verse 1 through 6, it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up uh, and shut uh, and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he could not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead, they did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection, and blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years, a thousand years. And so yet last week we talked about the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth, a physical coming to the earth, Jesus setting foot on the earth. And, and, and now this morning we're going to be looking at the, the thousand-year reign of Christ, the millennial reign. And at this point, you remember when Jesus came back, he defeated those armies of the Antichrist and those who are coming against Jerusalem. He defeats them. He rescues the, the remnant from Petra. We saw that in Isaiah 63. And then he goes up to the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the Valley of Decision, which is that valley, that great valley that stretches all the way from Megiddo up in the north, all the way down to Jerusalem. It's a great valley. It's a wonderful valley, actually. Very lush and beautiful. And Jesus steps foot on the Mount of Olives, right opposite, uh, on the east of the, from the Temple Mount, on the Mount of Olives. And, the, and, the, and Zechariah tells us that it's going to split in two. And Jesus is going to begin his millennial reign after he defeats his enemies. And it told us yes, or yesterday, last week, that one of the first, the first two beings that the Lord takes and casts into eternal flame, everlasting flame, is the beast who is the Antichrist and the false prophet. And they are in that lake of fire forever, and it's torment forever. It's not a small amount of time. It, it goes forever and so, but he leaves one being out, Satan himself, the honcho, the head honcho of all the demons. He holds on to him. I believe the Lord is going to save the best to last, or maybe it'd be better to save the worst till last. God is going to deal with him, but he's going to give him a time to be locked up for a thousand years. We're going to see that this morning. And then afterwards, he's going to be released for a little season, and we'll talk about 
um, why that possibly is. We know one of the answers is right here in the scripture, so it won't deceive the nations. But I want to uh, share with you one other thing that uh, is a conjecture, but it's something I believe is probably true. But let's look at verse 1. And so it says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit. And notice it's just an angel. It's not even Michael or, or any one of the other angels. Notice there's no mention of the name. The Bible mentions four angels in the Bible. We know uh, Lucifer was uh, an archangel, we believe, a very powerful angel who deceived himself and became uh, who we call now Satan. There's Gabriel, there's Michael, and there's also in Revelation 19 this character, this uh, leader or ruler over the demons, over that uh, the abyss, and his name was Abaddon or Apollyon. And that could be the devil himself, it could be uh, a very high-ranking angel, we don't know. But, but notice, there's no mention of the name of this angel. He just comes, and he takes hold of the angel, or takes hold of Satan, and I wonder... How humiliating this would be for Lucifer, the devil, having had such great power, and now God just looks around in his throne room, and he looks over in the back, and he goes, yeah, you right there, Uh, i got a job for you to do. Can you grab that chain? I want you to go and shackle him. I want you to go take care of business. Me? I get to do that? Yeah, yeah, you. I know you haven't done anything in a while, but um, now it's your turn, and Michael and Gabriel going, I wanted to do that. I wanted that privilege, but it's an angel, just an angel. And think of how infuriating that must be. And think of the pride of Satan. That's one of the things that got him into so much trouble was his pride. And now he's going to be taken down by some angel that doesn't even have a name, but very powerful nonetheless. And in fact, in Ezekiel, we find some um, Ezekiel and Isaiah. We're going to look at a few scriptures here where it talks about the demise of of the devil. Now, I would just have you write these scriptures down because because of time, I'm just going to read them to you and we're going to get right to it, okay? But in Ezekiel 28, uh, Ezekiel through, or God through Ezekiel, excuse me, is speaking to the king of Tyre, but you can quickly see that God is addressing somebody other than the king of Tyre, perhaps the power behind the throne of the king of Tyre. Notice what it says in verse 11 in Ezekiel 28. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now, was the king of Tyre ever in Eden? No, he never was. Eden, they don't even know where Eden is now. Somewhere over there in Iraq or somewhere in that area, we don't really know for sure. But he certainly wasn't in the Garden of Eden, and he certainly wasn't full of wisdom and perfect and beauty. He says, you were in Eden, the Garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, a beautiful, beautiful being. The sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you in the day you were created. A very musical being, a very beautiful being. Lucifer is a light bearer. That's literally what his name means. And it says... Uh, you were the anointed cherub who covers, and I established you, God says, and you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Remember that. Underline that when you get to that verse. Satan was a created being. He's not equal with Jesus. He's not equal with God. He is a created being. So no more of this yin and yang stuff that somehow they balance each other out and they're, you know, they're just opposites, polar opposites. No. 
There is one who is sovereign, and everybody else has been created. Got me? The devil was created. It says it right there in Ezekiel 28. He was created. And your heart was lifted up because of your beauty, pride. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor, and I cast you to the ground, and I laid you bare before kings, that, that they might gaze at you. And that, that chapter goes on and on. Let me share with you something in Ezekiel 24. I'm sorry, Isaiah 24, excuse me. Beginning in verse 21. What does Isaiah say concerning this being, this demonic being who corrupted himself? It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will punish on high the host of exalted ones. Isn't that what Satan said? We're going to look at this next. He says, I will be like the Most High. I will be like God Almighty. He was lifted up in pride. And so God says, the Lord will punish on high the host of exalted ones and on the earth, the kings of the earth. They will be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and will be shut up in the prison. After many days, they will be punished. Sounds like the devil and his angels, which certainly that is their lot. That is what is decreed for them. Satan will be locked up, as we read, for a thousand years. While you and I, the saints, oh, when the saints, oh, when the saints, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, how I want to be in that number, when the saints go marching in. Love that. You and I are going to march in, but not this one. He is going to be shackled by an unnamed angel and taken down to the abyss, the abuso, to the bottomless pit. And notice, in Isaiah 14, this is the one you're very familiar with, God speaking through the prophet, speaking to Lucifer, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? You who said in your heart, and here's the five I wills. Here's the the proud manifesto of Satan. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And God's reply to him is, yet you shall be brought down to hell. You shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. We just read it in Revelation 20 here. Those who see you will gaze at you and they'll consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble and who shook kingdoms? We're going to be looking at this being and say, is this the one that caused all the trouble? The guy with the skinny jeans? Is that who caused all this trouble? This, this, really, this one? And God is going, yeah. I gave him that power, and it was without repentance. I knew what he was going to do. He had every opportunity to turn, as did Judas, but he did not. He continued in his corruption and his pride and corrupted himself and exalted himself above me even. Go figure. That's like a, an F-250 coming off the line at Ford and exalting itself above the Ford Motor Company. You didn't make me. Oh, yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Behold the parts and the assembly line. I made you. No, you didn't. Whatever. <laughs> right? 
But notice, he goes and he says, Who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities? Who did not open the house of his prisoners? Down in verse 19 it says, But you are cast out of your grave like an abominable branch, like the garment of those who are slain, thrust through with a sword, who go down to the stones of the pit like a corpse trodden underfoot. God is going to deal with this being, Satan. And we're seeing it here in this chapter that we're looking at. In fact, this passage in Isaiah could could have a double or even triple fulfillment. We know that God cast Satan down. We know that near the midpoint of the Great Tribulation period in Revelation chapter 12, you remember that uh, Satan was cast down. We also know in the current passage we're looking at right now, this angel with a great chain shackles him. Whether it's a physical chain, we don't know. It doesn't really matter. But whatever chain it is, whatever restraining device that it is, it's something that God made, and he can do with it whatever he wants and how and to whom he wants. He is able to do that. And also, it could refer also to when Satan is finally and ultimately cast in the lake of fire. We're going to see that next week when he is finally dealt with and he's placed in that place of the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are located. You remember in Revelation chapter 12, it says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his, and this is somewhere in the midpoint of the tribulation, which we've already looked at. But war broke out. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, who we know is Satan. And the dragon and his angels, these demons, they fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found any more in heaven any longer. And so the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So that happens somewhere in the midpoint of the tribulation. And it may surprise you to know that Satan has access to the throne of God, even right now, because we know these events are yet future to us, but we know that he has access to the throne of God, even right now. He is a, the accuser of the brethren. When you sin, Satan is the one standing up in front of him going, did you see what he did? He claims to be one of yours, and look what he did. Did you see what he did? And the Lord goes, yeah, I did, I saw it. And I also know something else that you don't know, Satan. And that is, when he did that, he fell on his knees and he cried out for the blood of Christ, my son, to forgive him. And guess what? My promise is still true, that if he confesses his sins, I will be faithful to forgive him and cleanse him from all unrighteousness. So, have a nice day. He is the accuser of the brethren, accusing you and I before God day and night. Can't believe he did that, Lord. Did you hear what came out of his mouth? Did you see what he did? Yeah, I saw what he did. Next week we'll see Satan finally finally sent to his final resting place for all of eternity. We'll see it in Revelation in, next, uh, in, in verse 10. It says, The devil who deceived them, he's finally going to be cast in a lake of fire or brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And notice, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. It will never end. It will never end. And it was created for them specifically, for the devil and his angels. That's what Matthew tells us. Matthew 25, it says, This place was created for them specifically. See, God doesn't send people to hell. They make a decision while they have breath in them. They make a decision through their life where they are going to spend eternity. And I, I believe all of you have made that decision for Christ, and I pray that you have. And it's important that you do. You must be born again. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. 
You cannot wait any longer. If there's any doubt in your mind, you must put it to rest today and give your heart to Christ. Otherwise, why play Russian roulette with yourself? Why be in jeopardy every day? As soon as you get behind the wheel of that car, you don't know if you're going to make it home. You don't know. And then you're launched into eternity with the decision that you've made. Some to everlasting life, some to everlasting condemnation. We'll see that in John 5 a little bit later. What's it going to be for you? Everlasting life with Jesus? Or everlasting condemnation? And again, God is so loving. He doesn't send people there. He gives you the choice that you've made. You understand? It's all on us. It's all on us. And he gives you that opportunity. He gives you that free will to make those decisions. Choose Christ. Choose life. Isn't that what it says in Deuteronomy? Choose life. I've I've set before you life and death. Choose life. And I think that's a really great message today for all those abortion doctors. And ladies, if you find yourself with child, there are so many other opportunities for that child. You don't need to abort that child. Choose life, says the Lord. Right? Not even me. I don't say it. Who am I? But when God says something, we better listen. Choose life. And the reason this angel is coming down from heaven is because at this point in the, in the program, in Revelation, where is the devil? He's on the earth because we know he got cast out in, in chapter 12 earlier. So now he's on the earth and he's full of rage. What does Peter tell us? Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, what is he doing? He's walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, even right now. Satan evidently isn't, he, he can go he, many places. He can go on the earth, he can go up to heaven, but there's coming a time in the future, we read it in Revelation 12, where he's finally going to be kicked out of heaven, and he's not going to be permitted to come back in. So guess where his only place to hang out is? <laughs> earth. I wonder where he's going to make, his re- make up his residence. Probably Manhattan. We don't know what it's like to have the devil confined on the earth. To be just here. He can roam. Right now he's got mobility, but there's coming a time when his mobility is going to be hampered and diminished. Notice that this angel has the key to the bottomless pit. The word is the abyss, the abuso. It is the place of the wicked, the wicked spirits, the very abode of the demons and the devil himself. And this is the place where he is going to be confined. He is going to be confined, and this angel has a great chain. Again, we don't know if it's a physical chain. It doesn't really matter what it's made of. It could be like Wonder Woman. It could be that that gold band, you know. Who knows what it is? But whatever it is, it is going to be sufficient to shackle this being who has tormented millions and billions of people, trillions of people in his diabolical career. He's going to be shackled by this angel. If you remember in Job, what does it say in Job? It says there was a day when the, and this is the oldest book in the Bible, we believe. Now there was a day when the sons of God, these angels, uh, fallen angels actually, came to present themselves before the Lord to give an account. And Satan also was among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? And Satan answered, you know, I'm going to and fro on the earth, walking and walking back and forth on it. And the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? 
You've been looking pretty hard, Satan. Have you considered the, the man who I, I, I deem as a trophy of my love and grace? A man who eschews evil, he, he turns away from me. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.